Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. I, your host, Dr. Jim Hoven, am here today to share an incredible story with you from a really, really good friend of mine. Like every other week, we bring people on the podcast who are making a difference. And as you all are very well aware, if you've been following the show for any time at all, you know that we do a lot with education. We're really big about education. And today's guest, Mr. Chris Stirrup, is all about education. He's given his life to it. In fact, I've had the opportunity to speak in his class that we're going to talk about today uh, a few years in a row here and to see the impact and the difference that he's making in people's lives. It was a must-have guest for us today. So whether you're watching or whether you're listening, I want you to really listen closely to, to some of the things that we're going to talk about. And then I hope that you find some uh, inspiration in this that you'll want to take in your own life or that you'll want to share. So uh, as you hear this, spread it to people that I think there's a message for you and there's a message for so many others. So without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Chris Stirrup. Chris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely. We've been talking about this for a while and I'm so glad to have you here. And just so the people that are watching or listening know, you actually are the coordinator and facilitator of something that's so unique. It's a program that's known as the Epic Medical Careers Program. And it's pretty unique. Now, your focus is on mathematics. I want to call you the mathematics professor, right? Because you're, but you're at Cherry Creek High School in, in uh, Greenwood Village. And it, by the way, an incredible school. Like Cherry Creek is known for its, its excellence and how it really wants the best for its students, both academically and um, on the athletic endeavors that they're engaged in, all kinds of stuff. But you are doing this program. And I really, really want to uh, start out by having you tell all of our audience, a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, I'm a, I'm going to be entering my 26th year as a teacher, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely love what I do, what I do, and uh, look for what's best for kids. Uh, a little bit about this medical class. It actually had started at a neighboring school district uh, at Arapahoe High School in 1975 or 1976. And about 16 years ago, Dr. Pete Baker, who uh, unfortunately passed away a few years back, um, I was in his office for an appointment and asked my doctor if he'd like to come in and speak to my honors kids about being a doctor. And he said, well, no, but my senior partner would like to talk to you. And it turned out- No, was at that time, I started to interrupt. Was your honors class a math class? Yeah, it was an honors math class at okay. the time. And uh, so Pete Baker, met with me, who was not my doctor. He was just one of the senior partners at this uh, medical facility. And he said, I have a plan. I've been speaking in a class at Arapahoe High School since the mid-70s. I want to start a class just like that. I'm getting ready to retire. I want to be a part of doing something. And this is actually when I was down in Douglas County at Chaparral High School. And so I met with my principal at the time, uh, Ron Peterson. And I said, Ron, I have a doctor who wants to start a medical class. Now here's the kicker, and, and you've been fortunate about this. We used to start the class at six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yes. And it was so funny because people would say, well, who's going to show up at six o'clock in the morning? Well, the first year we offered it, we had about 60 kids. The second year, we went up to about 110 kids. And we continued to do it, and we built it for quite a few years at Chaparral. And then I was asked to join Cherry Creek Schools with the class. And we, we also we started at Cherry Creek at 6 in the morning uh, for a couple of years. And, of course, the, the district said, well, who's going to come to the class? We had 120 students, our largest class ever uh, that, that year at Cherry Creek High School. And it was absolutely fantastic. First year. That was the first year. Wow. And we consistently have between 105 to 110 students every 
fall semester, and we offer the class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, Pete Baker was instrumental in getting the class up and going. He introduced me to a large amount of medical professionals throughout the entire area. They come in, they speak. When we first started the class, we just brought doctors in. And then we started changing it, saying there's so much to medicine. There's so much more than just being an MD or a DO. You could be a a nurse, you could be a physician assistant, you could be a technician, you could be a paramedic, a fireman. And we just brought the whole gamut of people in. And this coming semester, I have 16 former students that took my class who are now doctors, nurses, or PAs that are going to come in and talk to our kids. And so when people say, does the class work? Yes. My goal for the class is if they can walk out and say, at the end of the semester and say, medicine is something I want to do. Or on the opposite end, and I think this is just as important, medicine is definitely something I don't want to do. And I just love that that question can be answered for a kid. When I was in high school, I wanted to be an orthodontist. The reason I wanted to be an orthodontist, I kid you not, my orthodontist had a cool car. That was my motivation to become an orthodontist. Now, I'm not an orthodontist, but that was just a dream that I had because my orthodontist had a cool car. I'm bringing that, we bring with this medical class the opportunity for kids to realize Maybe I don't have to be a doctor to be in medicine. Maybe a physician assistant might be for me. Maybe a nurse might be for me. Maybe I could go with the route with the military. Maybe I could go with the route, you know, working at inner city medicine. Maybe I could work out in the country. There's so many opportunities that the kids are brought to realize there's more to medicine than just their yearly physical. If they're in in athletics where they're, you know, seeing their doctor and saying, That's so beautiful. I want to dive deeper into the program because it has been um, such a great experience for for me. And Dr. Ramos has spoken basically every year that I've spoken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talk about natural health care, chiropractic, et cetera. He talks about medicine and emergency room and all that kind of stuff. I want to, because your passion, it just comes through. It's so much. Every conversation you and I have, when, when we hang up the phone, I'm like, or when our meeting ends, I'm like, man, that guy's just connected to his passion, his purpose. I'm interested to know prior to all of this. Did you always know you were going to be in education? Obviously you just talked about being an orthodontist. What was the turning point where education was the answer and, and why high school versus um, college or versus junior high or elementary school? Well, when I was in college, I entered Arizona state university for mechanical engineering. And I was also taking some courses at one of the community colleges at the same time, just to try and save some money. Cause I was paying for my college as we were going through And I had a physics professor at one of the community colleges that kept having me, you know, help with his tutoring labs. And I'd go in and I would tutor kids in math and physics and chemistry. And uh, there was one day he he came to me and he goes, you know, Chris, you're not an engineer. I'm like, oh, I got a couple years. No, 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 (laughs) you're not an engineer. You're a teacher. And it changed my entire outlook on what I wanted to do because I, I think I had the intelligence to become an engineer, but it wasn't my passion. It was like, I I didn't know what I want to do. And as soon as he said, you're going to be a teacher, it kind of just changed my whole perspective. I left the engineering program, went to Grand Canyon University to finish up my degree in math and degree in education. And I have never looked back once going, darn, I wish I would have been that mechanical engineer. Not that there's anything wrong with being an engineer. It's just, it wasn't for me. And and what I love about education is every day is different. Every class period is different. I might have the most ideal lesson 
during say a first period class and then the second period class, which might be the exact same content, it would be completely different because I would have thought of something mid lesson going, I'm going to try this and let's see what happens. And it's, it, it keeps you on your toes as a teacher. I don't, I don't have a set of lesson plans that I just open up saying, okay, now this is year 25, year 26. I'm going to do nothing's the same in my class. I love that. I reintroduce concepts. I like to engage the kids and I've seen so many kids. I've had people tell me, oh, I could never be a teacher because kids are so much different. I don't see difference in 26 years. I see people who want, they, they want to know something. They want to figure out what's next for me in life. And I just, I love that opportunity. I have, you know, as I said, I had so many, I have 16 students that are coming back to speak. So there is students that do reach back out to me saying, I remember this with your class and it could be the medical class or it could be my math class. And it's just fantastic. Now it gets hard is I've, uh, I've looked back and I had some students when I first started teaching back in Las Vegas, many years ago, I was at a performing arts magnet school in Las Vegas. So we didn't have any athletics, but we put on some of the most incredible plays and musicals and dances. And you were teaching math. I was teaching math. And uh, at, at the time that I was at the school, uh, a, stu a student I had, or a student that I knew, his name's Matthew Gray Goobler. You might know him from the show Criminal Minds. Well, he, oh, was, yes. he was at our school. There was another young man at our school. His name was Schaefer Smith. Now, people don't know who Schaefer Smith is, but if you watch the show, If You Think You Can Dance, the rapper and singer and songwriter Neo, that's Schaefer Smith. No kidding. So I ha I've had these students that have been in my hallways of the... So I'm like, this is cool. Wow. That's and, so amazing. You know, I, I want to ask you something because you really sparked something in me as you were just sharing about how no lesson plans and how you're not no lesson was, but it's, it's not, Hey, cookie cutter from year one to year 12 to year 26, you teach math. Mm -hmm. And for most of us, me included, like math was one of my struggle subjects because uh, my mind, and I was a little younger graduating, you know, I graduated at 17 and, and math wasn't my natural gift. Mm -hmm. I had to work really hard and get a lot of help in math, mm -hmm. but math always seemed so black and white that there were a few ways to get to the answer, mm -hmm. but it was either right or it wasn't there. And, you know, at the end of the day, one plus one always equals two, et cetera, et cetera. But what you just said was so interesting to me that you might change the same content from one to one to help me learn a concept different how how do you bring creativity and variety into what a lot of us think of as a plus b equals c well let me share there's a a one semester math class that i teach called business calculus and it has a calculus curriculum with it but every friday i have something called real life applications of math and so i usually start out with like fair division i show you know if you were the heirs to an estate and there's five of you how would you divide that estate fairly you know someone's going to say i want to have the house well there's only one house so how would the other four feel if one person got the house and the rest of you're like, well, so sorry, you, you get to split the, this. so I show them how to divide it up with fair division. I show them how tax tables work with just paying taxes. And I, and I break it down into a simplistic form because I, I point out to him, I said, we've heard that people are cheating taxes. Let, let's look at how the tax system actually works. Well, you have your first X amount of money that you're going to pay a percentage of. And then that next portion, you're going to pay a certain percent on that. And then, you know, as you move on up, so that that creates, 
And I've even brought it back to them. So, you know, people have said, oh, this person should have paid 30% of their taxes. Well, because of how the tax table works, that last end was probably the 30% taxable income, but anything prior to it was at a lower rate. And so even if someone says, oh, they should have paid 30% in taxes, well, no, because the summation of what they made from zero to 10,000 or whatever the thing is, and I don't have it in mind exactly what the tax table is off the top of my, te- off the top of my head, but it's like, well, I can show that somebody who's making $60,000 a year did not pay in the 30% or whatever the, the taxable region would be. And it's not because they're cheating it. It's because it happens that way. Uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, so often we're getting so many people who are going to social media and that they've heard it, they saw something. That's the truth. And there's a lot of times I like to debunk it a little bit, just saying, just please realize there's other sources. There's more to the story than what came across that two and a half inch screen on your phone. Wow. And, uh, and, and it kind of grabs their attention. And a lot of times it's like, you know, I'm 51 years old now. A lot of times like, what does this guy know? <laughs> and so I, I have to reinvent myself every time. And I, and I, I, I'm very honest with the kids that I will learn more from them than I will be able to teach them. And I love that whole thought of that. I'm continuing to learn from kids. Um, we have so many different opportunities. I, for students to learn, but we also take ourselves in what society is these days, a school shooting. It's horrific. How, how am I preparing different or how am I trying to say, okay, I'm going to teach you say the quadratic formula, but yet you have a kid who might be worried about, well, what if something were to happen? Mm. And that's a real thought. And it's scary for a kid. And I think it's scary for parents. My uh, oldest daughter was in eighth grade when the Arapahoe County or the Arapahoe High School shooting took place. And then she was the pianist for the choir at Arapahoe High School when she was there. And they had a lockdown drill and the kids that were in the choir had been at that school when it had happened. And my daughter said, you could feel the intense energy and the anxiety of, you know, are we doing right? And I, I hope to think we are. And I try to, and you know, I've, I've something that Ron Peterson, my former principal used to say, and I've stolen his, his terminology because it's so powerful word, it's such powerful words, his words. And I, and I say this every day, my class ends, whatever class period, medical class, math class, doesn't matter. Take care of one another. And I share that with kids all the time and it reverberates back with kids. Have you seen some, like, do you hear people giving feedback on the message that you say that over and over again? You know, it'll be about 30 or 40 times I'll say it. And then all of a sudden kids start connecting going, I get that, you know, make eye contact with somebody in the hallway. Maybe you shouldn't be checking your social media. Maybe you should be looking at the person who's coming at you because the eyes of somebody speak volumes. There's a lot of times I pride myself when I'm walking down the hallways, I might not know the student who's coming at me, but I will make eye contact with them, read those eyes. And there's been a couple times where it's like, Hey, I love the shoes you have on today. And that might be the smallest little thing that might just inspire that kid. Why do I ask about the shoes? It's a very safe thing to compliment somebody's shoes. Yes. Someone's not going to say, Oh, you know, why would you say that? So that's so cool. Yeah. What have you seen as far as differences 
in kids. You said kids are still kids over the last, you know, going towards 30 years now. Have you seen, obviously technology has changed and so they've changed with their, it's almost like kids are hardwired now to be savvy at technology. Have you seen anything in your experience in the school levels of how kids are one way or another? Now, keeping in mind, <clears throat> Cherry Creek is a is a school that's very well established. The um, it, it's a high socioeconomic group. There, there's high functioning people there, and there, there's a lot of great stuff going on in the community around it. But still, you've been there so long that I think it's it's you've probably seen some sort of trend of how kids are with each other with with life i don't know if pandemic has made pre and post kids in high school different just observation about kids the pandemic that was new to all of us um, <laughs> um fortunately for me and i was helping a lot of teachers at my school with it i have recorded all of my lessons and i post them on youtube and it allows a student who's absent, they can go back and rewatch it or if they need to review it. So when we went to say, we need to be remote learning, I was already using the technology, not because I saw the pandemic coming, I just saw this tool is available and I can use it. And so I write on a tablet and my tablet will be broadcast to two different screens in my classroom. And then when I'm, the recordings of my lessons is my voice and me writing on the tablet. And so it's it's not the most interesting let, you know thing you're seeing because you're watching some writing show up and a person's voice. But it's a neat opportunity for kids. You know, I've had kids who have had to leave on family vacations or for whatever reason and uh, they'll say what what can I do when I'm gone? You know that I'm going to post my lessons on the Schoology, which is Schoology is a platform that Cherry Creek Schools uses, the kids find the link saying, okay, this was Monday, September 15th or whatever, you know, that might be, they click on that for their class. They can watch the raw footage of what the class was. It's not as good as being in the classroom, but it's a nice tool for the kids. And what mm, I right. absolutely love is I have seen kids prior to coming into class, watching my video on their phone to review for the test that they're going to take. I, so good. I, I, I think back when I was in high school and there was times that if I opened up my notes, I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> I had, I had the three dimensional boxes. I was drawing the doodle swirls, write down a handful of things. And I had no idea what I was looking at. It didn't, no one really taught mm -hmm. me how to take notes. And I, it was just, it was funny, you know, and I think me as a teacher going, what things, there's a lot of Chris Stirrups out there in the world who I was found success through college and university. As you had said, you weren't good in math when you were in school. I wasn't either. And my mom was a math teacher. Wow. And she'd come in, Hey, I unshowed. No, no, you don't know what you're doing. And I was just, you know, a Chris Stirrup as a, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Um, but now I have the opportunity where kids, they have it. It's right there. And could you imagine if, if everything that you needed for a class, you could find on your phone? What a deal. Yeah, that's incredible. What, what tools? And you, know, you come from, as we've talked about um, off air here, you come from really good stock when it comes to education. Like you were just talking about, you know, your mom, educator, wife's a professor, right? Mm -hmm. at, at one of the local um, universities here. You're a teacher this is ingrained in the DNA of the family. 
of how you guys go. That's impressive. Like, is it, do you think it's a love of learning, a love of teaching both that has, that has made it the roots so deep for you guys? I, I need to tell you, my wife is a very well-educated. She, she, you know, there's times where my daughters and her would spell things back and forth. So I couldn't get caught up in the conversation. <laughs> um, so How kind of them. <laughs> so my wife has been instrumental in for my daughters with education. I mean, there's been times they'd ask me for help with math and things like that. But for the most part, I wasn't right there as the Johnny on the spot tutor. My wife was there. She, before she be, you know, went back to working at the university, she was a stay at home mom. She would volunteer in the kids' classrooms, just doing those kinds of things and uh, really followed their education. And, and of my two daughters, my oldest will be a junior at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. And my youngest is going to be a freshman at Purdue. And she got into the honors college in Purdue. I'm like, wow, impressive. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't see that coming. I knew, I knew both <laughs> kids were smart, but I was like, holy cow, that's pretty cool. So, nice. and they're, you know, I know my youngest who's, this is her summer between her senior year of high school and, uh, and college, but she's excited. And I think that's pretty cool. And I know that my daughter, who's going to be going back here in a few weeks to Nebraska for university, she loves learning. She's already talking about going to graduate school. And I'm like, that's really cool. (laughs) Very nice. That's so good. And now with that kind of family history and background, I want to jump back into this Epic program. It's so interesting. Like I was honored when you first asked me years ago, if I would come in and talk about what we do as chiropractors and, and natural healthcare providers and, or what we call CAM, complementary and alternative medicine. And it was fascinating to me because I know in Cherry Creek district, there's a lot of doctors and lawyers and mm-hmm. surgeons. There's a, there's a lot of that, that that's around that area. And this classroom full of kids, 7 a.m. start, I, 6 a.m. blows my mind. Yeah. But 7 a.m., I was impressed. They were all there, over a hundred of them. And it was interesting to me that um, they were very considerate, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd asked how many had been to a chiropractor before just to get a, a read of the room. And it wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot that had experienced um, what we'll call natural healthcare, whether it be physical therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic, whatever. But they asked some great questions. They were engaged. And I felt like as long as I gave them the energy, the best of myself, they were reciprocating that with me so that these kids coming in preschool, this was not their normal hours. This was hour zero mm-hmm. versus hour one. They were really um, attentive. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, it made me more excited to come back the next year and the mm-hmm. next year and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because of what I felt with them. Is that something that, that you as the facilitator and kind of coordinator of this program, do you have anything to do with, with helping instill that um, curiosity and that attentive in them, or are these the kids because they're looking at medicine of some sort, they're naturally more motivated, do you think, or some combination? I think it might be a combination. I mean, one, if you have a kid who's going to show up an hour before school, that's a pretty motivated kid. Um, and there, there's times in, as I, when I go through my very first class with my students, I'll tell them, you know, these are some things I want you to be considerate about. You don't need to be checking your social media. This person who has come before you, whether it's Dr. Ramos, Dr. Hoven, any of my other doctors, nurses, PAs, the, you all are donating your time. And I, and I really convey that message to the kids saying, 
you don't have to take notes, but I, you need to listen because when you're saying, oh, I'm just going to check my social media. Well, one, what are you seeing that early? Your friends are still in bed. <laughs> so, uh, so I just kind of look at it that way. And I, and I remind the kids and I do walk around the room quite a bit. And there's, you know, while, you know, anyone's speaking and I kind of do a little directive going, I don't want you to do that. But what I do do, I, what I have done is all of the kids have my cell phone number and I tell them, you know, sometimes there's an embarrassing question that they don't want to necessarily ask in front of a hundred people. And I'll, I tell them, please text me. I'm not going to throw you under the bus saying, Hey, whoever's number is 720, blah, blah, blah. Is this is your question. So I have infectious disease doctors who come in, they talk about STIs and STDs. That's embarrassing for a kid to talk about, you know, diseases on certain parts of the male and female anatomy. Yep. But they'll th you know, throw the question at me. I have no problem asking the questions. Um, we have labor and delivery, uh, a nurse who comes in who's actually one of my former students. And the kids, they're curious. Like, that's really how that works. And But they don't want to act like, they think everyone else around them knows what, what they're, you know, what's going on. And they're the only one that, so that's why I tell them, let me ask the embarrassing question. You're not going to embarrass me you know, by me. And I'm not going to call out a kid saying, that's a silly question. Why would you ask that? You know, every question, there's curiosity there. And I think it's cool. And, and we've had, I think we had eight or nine kids who uh, sent me texts about you. And then, then once I started re reading texts, all of a sudden kids are like, okay, my question was asked. Now I can ask a follow-up to that. And it's really cool to watch what these kids want to know. Uh, part of the class though, we do get to go to a cadaver lab and the kids get engaged seeing a human body from the inside out and everything about it. And it's fantastic to watch those kids. And the nice thing about the cadaver lab, that's where I really get to know what these kids' interests are. Because one, I'm not necessarily the person who's teaching that day. It might be yourself or anybody else on my medical staff that comes in and speaks. But when they're in the lab, I have 10 to 15 students, so I can get to know them. And it's like, you know, hey, what kind of medicine would you like? Who was, what's your favorite presentation been so far? And I get to hear from those kids. Unfortunately, the past two years, we haven't gotten to do that because COVID had uh, shut lots of stuff down. But we're back up for this coming semester, which I'm excited to have the kids go and have that type of learning as well. I've also had students who have gotten the opportunity to shadow different doctors and medical staff. Um, I had the first year we offered the class, oh, as many years ago, they, uh, I had two students who found he was a uh, transplant surgeon on kidneys. And the doctor said, yeah, here's my cell number, call me. And I had two students that were in a kidney transplant operating room, watching a kidney transplant, not in the rafters, they were pretty much in the fancy looking scrubs watching this. And I thought, how cool Amazing. is that? Amazing. Yeah. And now because of a lot, you know, a lot of different rules and regulations, I always tell the kids, reach out to me. Once you are in college and you're back on break, reach out. My email at Cherry Creek Schools is going to be the same. Reach out to me. Say, hey, do you remember me? I took the medical class last year, two years ago, three years ago. Now I'm at this particular school. Can I go see, and it's amazing. It's great to hear some of the pathways that our kids are going. And uh, I've had, uh, I think a couple kids actually went into uh, 
and saw a court case with Dr. Ramos a couple of years ago. He let him know, hey, this is what's taking place. So, and I think they actually went to it. And I, I think, think so. What I a cool opportunity! Isn't that great? Yeah. What are you um, What are you seeing with respect to? You made a really great distinction early in the show today, talking about the goal for you. One of the goals, anyway, is to help people. These young folks know is healthcare a path that they should take or do they learn from all this experience? Man, healthcare is not for me, right? And either way is totally okay. Just like engineering versus teaching, totally good. Do you have any idea of the number of all these years, all the times of people that have gone through these classes, how many have gone into healthcare? Any idea, percentage, total numbers, anything like that? Do you get a lot of feedback on it? I do get, I do get some feedback. There's times where I'll come across a secondary thing where perhaps I'm out at a restaurant and a lot of times former students recognize me. I guess I don't look different. There's times they come <laughs> We're up. We're not like, aging. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll come up, hey, you remember me? I'm, you know, Johnny Smith. And I've never had a Johnny Smith, so I'm just gonna use that as an example. And it's like, um and then they make a couple keywords. Every now and then I'll find out. I would say of those kids. I would say about 15 to 20% definitely get on a pathway right away into medicine. And then some of them might try and do other things such as like me saying, Hey, I want to be an engineer. And then all of a sudden they change to something else. Um, I do have quite a few students that I'll see them, you know, former students who are there in their twenties, thirties, forties. Um, I'll see them on Facebook and it's like, I didn't know you were a nurse. And, you know, I'll reach out to him. I actually had a, a former student. I didn't realize she was out of state, but I real, I knew she was so excited about passing her nursing exam and become a full-time nurse. And so I just, I'd sent her a message through the Facebook um, messenger. And I said, I'd love to have you come talk to her in the class. She goes, when would you like me to do it? And I, and I said, well, how about this date? And she's like, that'd be awesome. I can't wait. She flew in from Boston. Oh, wow. I had no idea she was about, but the, the class motivated her so much. She was like, it's great because I was able to see my parents because their parents still lived here in Colorado. She had been, she's married. Uh, they don't have any kids yet, but she flew in from Boston to speak. Because you had that, that class had that big of impact. As you're organizing this, <clears throat> I know one of the things you do is you look for different types of providers so that you can offer a really wide experience for the students that they can see everything from the highest level of surgeon to techs to everything in between. And they ask, again, they ask great questions. They, I know at least in the times that I've been there, they've really wanted to know and, and talked about all kinds of good stuff. When you look at this, is there, um, is there a specialty that you're seeing that right now, or maybe over time that kids are curious more about than others as, as all these people come in, do you see kids going, man, I'd really like to learn more about this particular thing, orthopedic surgery, for example, or physical therapy, anything like that? Or is it still really widely varied based on personalities and, and experiences, et cetera? I do have some that they will go on saying, I have to, I have to, I have to of a certain MD. And then they start investigating more and more with physician assistant and realize, wow, that I could be X amount of years, you know, less time. I could be practicing medicine in five, six, seven years versus, you know, some of the MDs who come in, you know, I 
after high school, I spent an extra 16 years in school. Now, some of those might've been fellowships, so they might've been getting some sort of pay, but time kind of means something to kids. I think some of them kind of reach deep going, okay, do I want to start my career in practicing medicine at say 38 to 40, or do I want to start it at age 28 to 30? Yes. And, and the I, values have changed. I, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday <clears throat> and uh, this, this author was talking about, he's really big on generations and how generations shape culture and culture shapes generations and this kind of back and forth between it. And, you know, now I think the newest generation is called the homeland generation or something and, you know, whatever. And then we go back to millennials and, and on up the chain. It's interesting to me because the, while this isn't, generally true on every kid or specifically not true on every kid in general we see different trends and so when you talk about you know okay some now we're seeing the physician assistant i think some of that might tie to the fact that money's important but it's not as important as time as social connection as some of these other things in maybe the generation that we're in right now so they're saying okay I could make blank thousand dollars more a year as an MD versus a PA versus a, a nurse practitioner. They're all very fine paying jobs. Absolutely. Um, but the time to get through school and what I have to give up and the different nights and the shifts, if they really understand that, I think um, it does lead generationally to them saying, well, maybe this isn't the only option. And I, I don't know if you've noticed generational stuff because you've now served at least two generations yeah. of, of different mindsets and cultures and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything that you've noticed in that way of, of how the culture of the the nation or at least the city shows where kids want to put their energies? I, I think part of it, and it's part of my mindset as well, is if you give me all of the options available and allow me to make my best choice, I think that's something that comes for kids. And And prior to these kids taking this class, as I had said earlier, they knew their doctor where they saw him once a year or every mm. other year or anything like that. But now they've heard from so many different other people going, there's a lot of options for me. And when Dr. Ramos comes in saying, I'm an emergency room doctor. I'm also, and then I, here's my path. I went back to, to law school and now I'm a lawyer. And the kids are like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a jaw dropper right there. That gets your attention. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's not like, I mean, I like to say that I like to listen to music, but I, I'm not going to be the next Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and speaking of that, um, you and I are, are working together mm -hmm. to kind of collaborate, to figure out a way through Ramos law and, and what you're doing to create a similar situation for legal yes. matters for kids to come in and yes. learn about what law lawyers do and yeah. that kind of stuff that I'm really excited about the project. The I fact that you were kind enough to consider me as a, as a partner to create this with you, it's been like a really, really big honor for me, but tell people about that. Well, so I, I, I see this law class being very similar to the med class. We'll offer it hopefully in the spring. Um, and what it would do is again, create, you know, how big law is, Law is probably just as big, if not bigger than medicine. And again, kids, they might have watched a, a, a show with a lawyer in it and think that's all that happens. Well, it would be so neat to have kids realize there's so much more to law. They don't have to just be an attorney to work with law. They don't have to 
there's a lot of great opportunities. And I'm looking forward to hearing all of the opportunities that law has as well. And Dr. Ramos says he has a few people that uh, he has in mind that he can't wait to have come and speak to, with kids. So this, uh, I think this class will be as big, if not bigger. And then who knows what could happen? I mean, I brought the medical class to Cherry Creek High School, but we offer it to three other high schools in our district um, with other people just like me who are running it. And it's fantastic. What's going to happen with law? I yes. mean, I, I, I don't mind when people lean on me and say, Hey, how did you do this? I look at it saying, we're doing what's best for kids and let's keep doing it. Um, and not that I, you know, not that between medicine and law, that's going to encompass a hundred percent of the population, but it's going to get a certain amount of the population. You might have other kids that have found their little niche already that they want to go into. But I think, you know, between medicine and law, there are so many opportunities for kids that they just didn't know. And when did they get to know it? Oh, maybe they were a junior in college and now they're changing their pathway because they realize this is what I want to do. And so their four years of college turns into six or seven years because they changed their degree. I, I don't know about you, but boy, when I came out of high school, as I said, I wanted to be an orthodontist because he had a cool car. Yes. <laughs> and I still ask the kids every, every day when I see them, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'll ask kids individually. So I don't know. It's not, seriously. Why are you always asking? Like, well, I haven't grown up yet. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And awesome. like, oh, you're old. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> that may be true, but I'm still not growing up. <laughs> and then, and then uh, it's funny. They'll find out. They're like, you're 51? Yeah. Gosh, I would have thought you're, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is loaded. I would have thought you're like 38 or 39. It's like, okay. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You're going to do well in my eyes. And That's great. Great. <laughs> what, when you're, um, when you're dealing with all these kids and you're looking at them both in the math classes that you teach, cause again, you teach nine through 12. So you're seeing these kids at different levels of maturity. Um, do you find that your ability to influence them as a teacher, do you notice that it's more, um, profound early in the high school education or later or, or and it may be different for you because you may have like if if my kids in your class you may have them all four years i don't know in that way you build that over time any correlation you see as when kids are really impressionable as to the mentorship of a teacher so prior covid when kids would come from middle school to high school it was you know they were the big fish at their middle school and now they come in going where do i fit in COVID goofed a lot of things up with all educators because you had kids that they just, they lost out on a year and a half or more of being social with a large amount of people. Uh, we'll, we'll get them caught up. I'm not worried. I mean, people say, oh, these kids will never get caught up in life. We'll be fine. We'll make it work. We know how to, as teachers, as all teachers out there, we know how to to make our curriculum work. What's most important for our kids? We're going to do it. Now, if that means that I have to go back a couple months into last year to bring up a concept, okay. That doesn't mean that they're missing out on life. They're going to do just fine. And I'm, and I'm so motivated. I always tell the kids when they ask me like, why, why do you present all these different things for kids? It's like, well, I'm preparing the future. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you're the future. So I'm old, I'm already done my stuff, but I'm preparing you for the future because you're the next leaders of tomorrow. And honestly, that means the better I prepare you, the better my retirement. So it really all comes about, 
to it's all about me <laughs> and they're like it's not about you and that's i'm like great oh that is so good these kids i can feel the the presence that you have in their lives but also that they bring to you they bring you energy they bring you fulfillment like it's just so obvious what's your vision for the epic programs whether it be on the medical side or as a law side do you have a a vision i know this is in you know several schools now is there something that you see this or is it just kind of hey let's just let it grow organically and see where it goes well i think we were on a path to really get it open to all of the schools and cherry creek schools and then when covid hit that kind of goofed things up so i i'd like to see it jump to other districts a lot more. I know that Denver Public Schools, Dr. Baker and I had worked with one of the Denver Public Schools and we got it open at one of them uh, with a teacher like me bringing people in. And and they were, I, as far as I know, they're still continuing to do it. Um, but I, I would just like, I would like kids to realize and I re- would re- like teachers to realize this is not a hard program to do. It's kind of hard as a teacher because a lot of times as a teacher, the teacher wants to be the center of attention. Well, I turn the reins over every morning with my medical class and it will be the same with my law class to someone else to teach kids. Um, so that's kind of hard to do, but I've presented at the uh, Career Tech Ed conference a couple years ago about the medical class and I had a few schools from different areas reach out and you know, we want to do it, but it would kind of just fizzled away. But I'd like to see it grow into something bigger. And, and as well as once we get the law class going, I would love to see that grow bigger and bigger and offer the kids anywhere up and down the front range, anywhere in the state, the opportunity to take it. Um, I guess I, I could get to a point with the med class or even the law class where we could create it as we had, I could record those lessons and I could just put it out there for people. So somebody who's out on the Eastern Plains, say out in Hugo, Colorado, which it would be pretty hard to put any, either of these kind of classes together in Hugo because you don't have a lot of doctors. Getting or, specialty types out yeah, there. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able to offer those kind of opportunities to kids. I think it would be fantastic. I'm, I guess there could be a, a point where it could be a live stream where, any school USA could jump onto a live stream and then all of a sudden they could have questions coming in where I could have somebody saying, Hey, you know, Becky from Kentucky wants to know. And, Oh, that's a great idea. Look at you. See, this is what's so awesome. Like you're using creativity and technology um, to, to meet the need. It's interesting to me. And, and as you were talking, it's something similar to when you mentioned that there's a lot of people that could be served on the medical and legal side in these in these kids to say, do I want to do this or do I not? In the same way, but different, as you have shop classes, you have mechanics classes, you know, you have these kind of prep schools that are aside from the high schools. I know my kids both went to one of these um, one of these programs where they would go to their high school for part of the day, and then they would go to one of these other these other schools. And they would get things that helped them decide what they wanted to do. And, and a lot of those programs were geared around trades and, and things of that nature. And so I think what you've done and the predecessors that helped you put this together, now what we're doing with the law thing is while you're not getting an intensive on, let's say, auto mechanics or woodworking or um, home ec type stuff like uh, interior design, while you're not doing that as a specialty, you're getting the chance to taste. What would it be like a, a day in the life of an orthopedic surgeon, a trauma person, a nurse practitioner, chiropractor, acupuncturist, whatever. And by being able to ask those questions, it now then 
opened the door for curiosity to, like you say, if someone wanted to find out what does a chiropractor do, I could certainly, while I don't practice every day, all day, I certainly have a hundred chiropractors that I could send someone to. Same thing with the lawyer groups, you know, I think what you've done, and I don't know if you've ever quite, it didn't hit me till our conversation today. You've created that opportunity because there hasn't really been one for people in that age group to do that like they can into some of these other school programs where they're going three days a week. Now they're going three days a week into a, into a health and now a legal program. I think it's so exciting. And we do have uh, in Cherry Creek School District, we have the CCIC campus, which those are pathways. We have construction. We have uh, um, a nursing program. Um, and uh, CCIC is going to dislike me because I can't label all their programs. But I know they have an aviation program where kids are learning how to work on actual planes and helicopters. Um, just trying to think some of those other programs there. But we, So I'll have students at our school. So they'll have me you know, be at my school for the first three periods of the day or the last three periods of the day because they're at the CCIC school. And that's down you know, where the Broncos practice. And, uh, you know, some of those kids that come in saying, wow, we saw this, this was absolutely fantastic. And, and I, I think, wow, you can apply what you are doing in my classroom to realize, you know, two and three eighths, if you're in the construction, two and three eighths is going to mean something to you. That's a measurement that that's going to be a real thing in that kid's head. And I think that, you know, those kind of opportunities for kids, not that I think every kid needs to go into the, one of those programs in the morning or afternoon, but it's nice that those opportunities are available. And I just love where education is starting to realize we are at the forefront. We are educating our future. Not every kid is bound for university A, B, or C. They might look at the community college system. They might look uh, going to the military. They might look at, I'm going into this trade right after high school. I, I look at some of the guys. I, I had a plumber come over to a house, and he had to replace a couple gaskets. Wow. It was a mortgage payment after he left. <laughs> I thought, boy, that, that what an unbelievable field to get into, you know, especially as some of these young guys. And I realized, you know, we're, we're, we're losing our plumbers and our electricians and our hands-on people. And now we're starting to turn that a little bit saying, we have a need. We have to have, we have to fill this void that is going to happen. And I love that we have that opportunity. I know that uh, I had heard, and I don't know if they do it, but I heard from one of the teachers at CCIC at any high school that has athletics, they have a day of signing. And the day of signing is if a kid is going to commit to go play at the next level their sport. I heard at CCIC that they were going to do a day of signing of, you know, this person completed the construction. So they are, that's now their pathway. So that, cool. So I, I think, you know, recognizing those wonderful accomplishments of all kids, you know, and not all kids are going to go to college, not all kids, but if a kid can find their passion, if they can find what I found, my passion is teaching, doing what's best for kids is my passion. I don't work. And I know that Cherry Creek Schools might be listening to this at some point, but <laughs> I really do work, but I don't feel like I work. I feel a very, it's not stressful. It's enjoyable. It's offering the opportunities for kids and recognizing. Um, do we have time for another, one more story? Please. So my biggest success story that ever came out of the medical class, I think I had shared it with you. Um, we'll call this student Jennifer. Okay. I had her many years ago. She uh, did not have a really great home life. She 
had me for math for three or four years. So I'm not sure what she did wrong to have me for three or four <laughs> years, but, and I've had a couple, I've had a handful of students all four years in high school in math, not because of repeating the class. I just had the progression of classes for them. Well, we were going to go, I said to her, I said, I want you to take my medical class. She goes, I don't want to be a doctor. I, said, I understand. I just want you to see the opportunities available. So then we were at the cadaver lab and I asked her prior to the cadaver lab to say, Hey, can you meet me about 45 minutes early? Because I want to show you what this opportunity of being a phlebotomist might be about. And one of the community colleges had that and I showed her. So she became a phlebotomist and then she got the higher certifications to where she was in the emergency room and the, you know, just different higher pays. She about three years ago finished her nursing degree. And she will say to me, anytime she sees me, you know that the medical class changed my pathway from working at Wendy's or McDonald's to now being a nurse. Wow. I mean, that, that's like a chill giver right there. That Because again, the program that you've set up and that you're tending to cares enough to give perspective, right? And, and you as a human being and as a teacher and an influencer, have a chance to say, hey, I want you to check something out. Yeah, you, you don't have to you don't have to buy all the way in, but just look at something to change their world. What about if someone wants is considering being a teacher? Do you have any advice for them? Because you've I mean, you've shown up in spades today for anyone. I think anyone listening or watching this would say, Man, I would love for my kid to have been able to work with Mr. Stirrup or or to be able to do that. Um, if someone is considering being a teacher, is there any advice that you would have for them? The best piece of advice that was given to me after my first year teaching by a physics teacher, he and I shared an office together. He said to me, he said, Chris, there's something you have to know about being a teacher. This is before I even walked into my first class to teach. This was during the week before. I said, what's that? And he said, the kids are always the same age. You're the one getting older. And I've cut that just sunk in and meant so much to me. You know, in my first couple of years teaching, it's like, you know, 25, 26 yeah, years old. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But now at 51, it's like, yeah, these kids, these 50, you know, I guess some of my freshmen could be 13, 14, all the way up to 18, 19 as seniors. They're always the same age. And so, you know, I just kind of keep that little perspective in there. Um, there's a movie that I always watch before I go back to school. And I always tell my other teacher colleagues, you got to watch this movie. They're like, oh, I've seen it a ton of times. Doesn't matter. You got to watch it. The Breakfast Club. No kidding. Why The Breakfast Club? Because you're going to have the nerd. That's going to be in your classroom. You're going to have the troubled, you know, rebellious teenager. You're going to have the jock. You're going to have the princess. And you're going to have kind of the goth kid. Mm-hmm. And that's all really what's going to take place in your classrooms. So you, you have, and it, I think that movie is so powerful to realize, you know, when you first introduce the movie, oh, these guys are kind of troubled kids. Well, it's not the kids that are troubled. It's actually the counselor who was there to run the Saturday school these guys were in. And it's like, guys, you got to keep, got to keep with that true North. You got to stay even keel. You have to realize Every one of these kids comes to your classroom. They have a different story. Each day is different. Each period, as I said earlier, is different. And it's just reading what's going on. If I miss, if I had to say, wanted to teach these five lessons in a week and I get all five lessons in one classroom done and I only get four in the other because 
I recognized there was an opportunity that was bigger than something in math that needed to be addressed with kids or a student. I'll be a day behind in one class. It's not going to hurt me. Just you bend with the breeze. So good. I remember I heard from, I thought this was funny. Being I grew up in Arizona, I didn't know what a snow day was. (laughs) You know, moving here, I got snow days. And, you know, some people like, oh, you know, aren't you happy it's snow day? Well, I'm going to miss the kids, but yeah, it's a nice opportunity. I'm going to go out and shovel and I shovel, try and shovel my neighbor's yards too, make sure they're taken care of. And uh, I remember one of the teachers saying this many years back, oh, there's two snow days in a row. How am I going to finish my curriculum? I'm like, are you the only one worried about that? Because I can guarantee that your hundred plus kids that you have this year, they're like snow day. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so good. One more question for you, yes, and sir. it doesn't have anything to do with teaching. You mentioned kind of the best piece of advice that you got from your, your physics cohort talking about understanding the age of yourself versus your kids. Is there one piece of advice that you've learned or that you were given about life that you use as a pillar of what you do and how you do it, how you conduct yourself that you would like to share with everyone? Hmm. My dad used to always tell me, son, there's no free lunch. But that doesn't mean there's app, there's not appetizers that can't come without expense. So I just look at, you know, telling kids, you know, this is your grade, but do you need a little guidance? You know, me trying to guide you a little bit on a question, me to guide you on a question rather than you leave the question blank is something huge. Um, I actually took a class, the State Department of Education needed, wants all the teachers for certification to take this, this English language learners class. And I took it and I I absolutely loved it. And they had some great ideas of how to help that English language or the ESL learner. And I took this one piece of advice they did and I implemented this past year and I'm going to continue for the rest of my career. So what I do during, if we have a word problem on a test, just imagine it. Do you speak any other languages? Um, I mildly speak Spanish. Okay. So let's say I gave you a math question that was all in German. And you have a whole test. So yet, what are you going to do with that one word problem that's all in German? I got to skip it. Okay. That's just like that English language learner kid. Okay. They're coming to me. They could go two thirds X equals 16 and they could solve it. They understand the foundation. Now I'm going to give you a word problem. And I know everyone always jokes about two trains leave Chicago going opposite directions. (laughs) At the same time. I've yet to give that question ever in 26 years of teaching. But uh, so what I realized part of this class had said is when you have a word problem, put it up on the board. And so I'll get the kids started and I'll say, hey, there's two word problems on the test. And as you're going through the test, what I'll do is I'm going to pause you. And what we're going to do with this word problem is I'm going to read it out loud to you as you're looking at it either on the board or on your piece of paper. I'm then going to highlight the important things on this problem. Jim, every kid this year attempted every word problem. Nice. That wasn't what it was two years ago. Two years ago? I was lucky if I got half my kids of it. Word problem, skipping it. I and and that was even for a kid who, you know, and say algebra one, grammar and math. It's like how are you going to mend these together? But by just putting it on the board and just highlighting, reading it out loud and highlighting, 
I'm not setting up the problem. I'm highlighting. And I kind of joke around with it saying, you know, Billy went to the store. And then I might turn around to him saying, Billy going to the store, does that mean anything mathematically for this story? Or this, people, this math problem? Go, no. Like, no. It's okay. Well, I'm going to highlight it in pink. Pink means I'm not going to worry about it. Whoosh, highlight the whole thing. He bought three candy bars and a bag of chips. The candy bars were the exact same price. And he spent $4.55. How much were each candy bars and the bag of chips? And then I'll go there and I highlight the actual things that mean something. And I tell the, told the kids too, I said, guys, I'm showing you a skill that when you are taking an SAT or an ACT or whatever test, whatever class, I said, you're in your science class. They're going to give you word problems all the time. Go in there with some highlighters. I got hit. These kids are highlighting stuff. They're uh-huh. catching into it. They're buying into it going, I can do this problem. But just having them hear it read out loud and highlighted means they didn't all get it right mathematically, but they tried it. There's a thought process. I always tell the kids, if you leave something blank, it's really easy for me to say, well, that was a five-point problem minus five. Well, that minus five doesn't really say what that kid knows. But if I go and I highlight that word problem, it was a five-point problem, I highlight it and I put some things down and there's some mathematical thought that I can see, there are points I can award. And I try and tr- try and tell the kids, if you can get three out of the five points just because you've set it up appropriately, that's more points than you would have gotten if you left it blank. Yeah. And that uh, should help you with a higher grade. So I'm excited to see, you know, continue it. I'm working with my, we have PLC teams. We meet once a week with each class that we teach. And it's so fun to just to work and learn from other teachers who are teaching the same content. And there's times where it'll be like, you know, Hey, Chris, show me how you would teach this. Not because we're trying to criticize me, Chris, but some of the, you know, it's like, well, I would teach this way to factor doing it this way. It's like, oh, I can see where you're going with that. And we build upon it. Right. And then it's like, all right, you know, hey, Bill, can you come up and show us how you would do this wrong? Well, I would show it this way. Well, why are you going to show it that way? And there's sometimes where in no way, shape, or form do I teach it 100% the correct way. I'm learning every time. I'm going to change how I'm going to do it. I could, oh, I see why that happened. You know, you know, someone had said a long time ago, and I know we've heard it before, if you continue to do the exact same thing over and over and over and expect different results, that's classified. Insanity. Yes, yes. sir. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this has been an insanely good conversation. Chris, you have shared so much with us. And again, your passion comes through um, just so brightly. And I can't thank you enough for investing yourselves in our youth because it does make a difference. They are our future leaders. They are who we're going to become, right? We're going to, we're going to, fall under their leadership as as we grow older. So um, the fact that you've taken the time to donate your life to them, to your family, and now given that story to us means so much. So I look forward to what we're going to do together, um, continue to do together, not only in the med program, but on the law program. And I wish you continued success at Cherry Creek with your students and man, just best of luck to you moving forward. You know, I got to give a plug out though. I can't, I couldn't do all this without the wonderful leadership of my school district and of my school. Principal Silva does an outstanding job. All of his assistant principals and deans, so supportive, so supportive of teachers, so supportive of kids. Cherry Creek School, same thing. Very supportive of teachers, staff, students. It's absolutely incredible. So you had asked before, what would I tell someone that's looking for the future uh, become a teacher? You find that type of school and school district that is supporting 
their staff and students and doing what's best for kids. And again, Principal Silva, outstanding individual to work for. And uh, Marcus McDavid, one of the assistant principals, Jessica Robinson. And uh, if I'm going to forget some of them because we have so many of them, but I apologize to them if I didn't say their same. Kevin Eulig, absolutely outstanding individual. He has He's the hardest job at the school because he has to deal with the really bad stuff that takes place. And he mm. does a great job. But uh, it all comes from the leadership. And the leadership comes from above, you know, from our superintendent all the way down. And I just absolutely just am so happy to be where I'm at. I love it. It's a good day. It's a good day. Well, continued success to you. Continued success, Cherry Creek. Please keep Cherry Creek uh, given an example for how education can and should be done. And um, until next time, which if you're out there, please watch this, share it. And until we see each other again, keep making a difference. Mm -hmm.